you haven't gotten it yet, living a life used by God is when we follow Jesus. When we trust him with life itself, even when life doesn't make sense. The 23rd Psalms is the journey of a life of a Christian who is following, or she is following her Lord. It's given us a description. It's given us a, a definition. It's given us explanation of what we go through, what to expect, but to know that he's right there in everything we go through. Hallelujah. That ought to give you an assurance that even in the valley, he's there. Even in your struggles, he's there. That no matter what life throws at you, our Lord, our Savior, our Shepherd is faithful. Yeah. And he takes care of his sheep. Amen. Today we are dealing with the fifth verse, Psalms 23 Verse 5, we're reading it today out of the New King James, and it reads, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. We, we dealt with some of that. He anointed my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Today we are transitioning from the anointing to the cup runneth over. So today the thought I want to leave with us is overflow my cup, Lord. Overflow my cup, Lord. Overflow my cup. Father, even now as we come, we ask that you move Tracy out the way. Lord, speak. Speak across the land. Speak across the globe. We need to hear a word from you. Just allow me to be your instrument. And Lord, you pour out. Lord, you pour out. Lord, you pour out. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. To many of us, this, this idea of cup running over sounds foreign in our ideal and our relationship, our experience with God. But allow me to explain what David is talking about. In that time when, when you have a guest, you would pour wine for them to drink. At dinner, you will pour wine. And if you are happy with your guest, if you are happy with the visitor, they will pour the cup until it is overrunning the cup and spilling down on the table. <laughs> they, they, they are, they will, they will, and as your cup gets lower, the, the host will pour again and pour until it is overflowing. It's, it's the picture of David is saying that, that God, that, that God will overflow your cup, that God will, in life, in your experience with him, there will be times when God will do it on a level that you can't explain it. All you know is that God is showing up and showing out in your life. Yeah. Hallelujah. This tells me that this is God's ultimate desire in each of 
his sheep in each of his children's life. He wants to be able to overflow our cup. Notice that this overflow happens after the walking through the valley. Notice it happens after the anointing and the healing of the wound. Notice the progression of this event. Notice that, that God is always up to something. There are the scriptures that will help us identify with what I'm talking about. It is Psalms 34 and 8 that says, Oh, taste and see <laughs> that the Lord is good. That, that, that taste and see means there's an overflow of experiencing his goodness, his awesomeness, his grace, his favor. That, that God wants you and I to experience this in our life because the more we taste and see how good he is, the more we praise him, the more we love him, the more we're going to chase him and walk with him. God is, I believe, is waiting on us. One of the questions that I think that, that bears to be, be answered is, well, well, preach, why hasn't it happened yet? Do you, do you know what's going on in my life? Do, do you understand? Listen, I said we got to go through the valley first. I said that there has to be some healing first. Listen, the valley helps us come to the place that we recognize we need him. The valley helps us to understand that, that, that everything else is icing on the cake, but Jesus is the cake. He's the source of our everything. And in the valley, it strips us of, of our, our tendency to look the other things, to wait on other things, to allow other things to become our God. Many times we, we don't understand the children of Israel and other nations that will worship other gods. Because we would say, how can they worship the, the idols? How can they worship a cat? But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got to go deeper than that. It's what the physical idol represented. There was a God for sex. There was a God for prosperity. There was a God for the need, every need that man has, that human beings have. There was a God for it. So many times those gods was, they were asking some deity other than Jehovah God to fill their need of what they thought was going to make them fulfilled. Oh, we, we may not have physical gods, but but, but many times we place our needs, our desires, our wants, whenever we go to anything other than God, when we, when we chase things and don't do it God's way, we have chased something and made it our God. Hallelujah. No matter what it is, no matter who it is, when, when God is replaced by something else, when we expect something else to Feel us when Christ is not our source that everything comes from, then all of a sudden, what we have done, we have we are seeking and asking something else, requiring something else to fill the hole in our soul. And the only one that can fill that hole is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah! Oh, I know He's able. 
He made you. He knows everything about you. Psalms tell us that, that, that while you were in your mother's womb, he was sewing you together. So don't tell me he don't know how to fix you. If he made you and know everything about you, he knows where you itch. He knows where to scratch. He, he knows how to sew up the wounds in your heart. Many times we just don't go to him. Notice that the sheep, the anointing oil is for their healing. Did you know anointing oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit? That the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit, he gives to us to heal us, to strengthen us, to, to reestablish our image of ourselves. Many times we, we tackle salvation only on a, on a singular level where there are dimensions to our salvation. Yes, it's the forgiveness of our sins. Yes, it's that Jesus paid the price for our sins. Yes, he has taken away the condemnation. Yes, you're covered by the blood. Yes, God sees you as though you have never sinned because Jesus paid the price. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I, and he inputted the righteousness of Jesus on you and I, that's something to shout about. That's something to dance about. Oh, where would we be if it wasn't for Jesus? We would still be in our sins, condemned, but Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah! That's something to shout about, and I hope you know him. That's the most important message in this world, is to be saved by Jesus, to have salvation, not based on your goodness, but his goodness. He died so he can input into you his goodness. You ought to shout on that. You ought to say, amen. You ought to, you ought to give God some praise that I'm covered by the blood, my past, my present, and my future is covered by the blood. I bring nothing to the table but the blood. Hallelujah. But if he was just to leave us there, then we are still dealing with the wounds, the hurts, the murder image that Satan has done to all of us. See, all of us have been hurt. All of us needs for, for Jesus to apply this ointment because Satan has done a job. I don't care how cute you are. I don't care how handsome you are. I don't care how much money you have. If, 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 if in your soul, life has cut you. Life has hurt you. I, I know we don't like to talk like this, but you know, you got to get for real. If you're going to get healed, you got to get real with God. You got to say, Lord, I got wounds in my soul. Lord, I still remember when somebody told me that, Lord, well, this happened to me. You don't know what happened to somebody else. All of us got stories. All of us been wounded. All of us been hurt. All of us, Satan has cut us up left and right. And though you're saved, if you haven't allowed Jesus to fill your cup, anoint you, then you're still walking in your woundedness. Amen. Know what I'm talking about. 
I deal with counseling. I know my own life. I, I know how I used to be. I know, I know the wounds and scars. And, and if it was not for the Lord healing me, if it wasn't, he's still healing me. Sure, what I'm talking about. It's not like you ever totally arrived, but I'm in the process. I'm better than what I used to be. But he's still, he's still uh, anointing me. He's still healing me. He's still speaking into my spirit that I am who he says I am. You are who he says you are. Not what anybody else says. You got to grab on to that. You got to grab on to that. The problem is, is this. Many times, instead of trusting Jesus and seeking the kingdom of God first, as in Matthew 6, we are trying to fix the internal wounds with outside things. We are trying to find our importance, our significance, our, our, our masculinity, our femininity on something that can't fulfill it. It's funny that we go to the extremes trying to heal ourselves. And don't even recognize that we're trying to heal ourselves, but we are using the things that are supposed to be a blessing as, a, as another God to heal the wounds that life has caused. The, the, the shepherd calls the sheep by name. He applies the anointing to the sheep one by one. He inspects the sheep one by one because each sheep is inflicted with a different wound. Notice that the cup overflowing comes after the application of the oil. Notice that the oil, the anointing, the healing comes first. If we don't allow God to heal the brokenness of our souls, there is no healing in no other place. It's, it's Jesus. Say that with me. It's Jesus. Do, do, do you realize that Satan is working overtime to mirror your image of you? He has used everything in life to mirror so that when God shows you who you are in him, you won't believe it. I don't care how much makeup, I don't care how much you lift weights, that does not heal the wounds on the inside. It, that, that, that requires spiritual healing. Tell somebody, I need some spiritual healing. I need him, I need him. Listen, the, the fall, the fall, the fall of man, Adam, when he fell, he said, the day you, you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. We, we, we many times get this mixed up because many times we feel like even unsafe people are still made in the image of God. Now, let me, let me, let me, let me go a little bit deep here. Let me go a little bit deep here, okay? Y'all ready? Man still has the characteristics of God which means we still think, we still creative, we still have relationship. There, there are things that are behavior and traits that still carry over, but the character, the moral uprightness, it, when, when Adam failed, 
that was taken away. In our flesh, there's nothing good. You cannot be what God created you to be in yourself. Our souls is broken and no medicine, no doctor, no psychiatrist can fix that. We are sinners, which means that we live a life opposed to the character of God. That's why when Jesus came, he said, you must be born again. First John chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. First John chapter 3, it says this. But he who commits sin, who practice evil doing, this is non-believers, is of the devil. Or they take after his character of the evil one. Satan is pushing non-believers in the flesh. When Adam fell, he became under the influence of Satan. And each of us is under the influence under his control in some way, different way. It may be pride. It may be sex. It may be you what whatever it is, it's the same thing. It's coming from the same source of that Satan is opposing the nature and character of God. Y'all got me. So that's a, so, so my flesh, your flesh, cannot be redeemed. It has to be born again. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. I, I cannot fix myself. <laughs> see, see I, I, may, I may quit drugging, but I'm going to pick up another habit. Why? Because my flesh wants what it wants, and I can't fix it. That's why he says, watch this, the devil sinned from the beginning, which means that he went opposed from God soon after he was created Though he was an angel, he opposed God, and he went against the nature of God. Hallelujah. He said, from the beginning, for this reason, because of this, the Son of God, God became incarnated, that he took on human flesh, that God stepped down and became one of us to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Since we couldn't overcome Satan, he became a man, became our kinsman redeemer to redeem us from the bondage of Satan. Notice it says that he was manifest, made visible to undo, to destroy, to loosen, to dissolve the works of the devil. Everything the devil took from you, Jesus came to restore it. Every hurt, every pain, everything that ever happened to you, Jesus said, if you give it to me, I can fix it. I can use it. He said, the devil, he touched your body. He hurt your, your, your image, but he couldn't touch your spirit. And I redeem your spirit. And out of your spirit, I will bring forth healing for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I share something with you? Can I share something with you? Everything I've been through, God has used in ministry. 
every bad thing, everything I did in the past, I'm able to touch people at that level because I've been there. I've done that. I've been through that. And if God can lift me, he can lift you. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about what I heard. I know what I know from my experience. God, if you give it to him, the, 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 the flow of the anointing, the flow of the anointing. Notice what he says. He said, he said the, the anointing is poured out. It's Isaiah 61, beginning in verse 1. Isaiah is about 750 years before the coming of Christ. And Isaiah literally see Christ on the cross before it happened. That's prophecy. He foretells. How I know the word of God is true? Because it foretells exactly. David wrote Psalms 22. When you look at Psalms 22, it talks about they pierced my hands, they pierced my feet. There was no such thing as crucifixion in, in David's day. That's 500 years later. He talked about that they, that, they, that, they, that they sold my robe. They didn't tear. How did he see that? How did he see that a thousand years ahead of time? He talked about no bone is broken. See, the Jewish people will stone you, but, and that will break bone. The Romans will crucify you. And since the Jews wasn't allowed to do capital punishment because they was under the occupation of the Romans, the Romans crucify him. And the Bible talks about that the Gentiles will be there. And listen, 500 years. How does the Bible does that? God wrote through man to, to foretell so that we will have no doubt that is true. Hallelujah. My God is a bad God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is, he, 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 he just, he just, he just got on by himself. Glory be to God. Let's go on. He said, he said, he said, the, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. Now look what he said. He has anointed me to anoint. I've humbled myself under the Father. I became like you. And in my cross experience, he anointed me. He qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, to the poor, the afflicted. He sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty and those that are physically and spiritually in captivity, to open up the doors of the prison, the eyes of those who have been back. You know, he's talking about woundedness. He's talking about our hurts. He's talking about the wounds of the soul. Hallelujah. He's talking about whatever your problem is, whatever the hurt is. If, if we go to it, he will meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. Next verse, next verse, next verse. He said, to proclaim the year of the Lord, the year of his favor. He said, I come to give you favor. The vengeance of the Lord our God to comfort all those who mourn. If you're mourning, give it to Jesus. If you're heartbroken, give it to Jesus. Move up, move up. He said to grant consolation and joy to those who moan in Zion, to give them an ornament, a diadem, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. He said, I will put on you the oil of joy. You know what he said? He said, I will. Matter of fact, I planted you where you are so I can lift you up so that you can be an 
allowed it. Won't God do it? Let me explain. Let me move on because I know I'm running out of time. I know I'm running out of time. He said, he said, he said that he, in, in Matthew 5 and 6, he said that to those who thirst and hunger after righteousness, he will fear. Listen to what he's saying. He says, you have to first empty your cup and come empty so I can fill it. See, the problem is we come with a cup and it got our mess there. I mean, hold on, hold on. Not mess of sins, but things we won't let go. You know what I discovered? In order for the Lord to take out of my cup, I have to forgive those who hurt me. I have to let it go. I got to say, Lord, I give it to you. I got to say, Lord, Matthew 18 gives us a parable, and I think this parable, I've been dealing with this parable for a long time because I didn't understand it, but I think God has given me wisdom in it. He says he, this is coming halfway through where this servant of his master has been forgiven a lot. But then he goes out to people that owes him, and he persecutes them and throws them in jail. And he says, wicked servant, I forgave you of all your debts because you begged me, because you asked me. He said, you should not also have compassion on your face. He said, since I had compassion on you and you received what I gave you, shouldn't you have pity on those who owe you little compared to your debt to me? Shouldn't you be like me? If you benefit from what I've done for you, shouldn't you pass it on? And I know it's hard, don't get me wrong, but, but this is the thing. Why are you going to allow somebody who did something in your past or even in your present to stop you from getting blessed? As long as you bring that to him and you got all that in your cup, he can't fill your cup. Why? Because it's already contaminated. You have to empty your cup. Forgiving everything of your past. Forgiving even things of your future. Letting it go. Letting it go does not mean they get away with it. It means that I'm giving it to God. Because my God says that that you reap what you sow. Whatever you sow, you shall surely reap. Listen, I let go of, 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 of what I think they owe me. See, that's in the past. I got to let go of it so I can move into my future. You got to bring to him an empty cup. If you want him to fill it, if you want him to fill your heart, you want him to fill your life, you got to let go of it, forgive. Notice what it says. He says, the next verse, he says, he says this, and I'm going to speed up in my time. He says, he says, so therefore I turn you over. It doesn't say hell here. You know what it says? The torturers. You know what that means? That your own emotions, God will plague 
Satan will plague you. Satan will mess with you. Satan will keep bringing back the end. Listen, if you got a cut, Satan will pour salt in it. That's torture emotionally. He would keep reminding you of your hurt. He would keep you down. He keep reminding you until you let it go. Until you say, I give it to you, Lord. Until you say, Lord, I empty, I let it go. Now, Lord, fill my cup. God can't heal you. He can't fill you. He can't fix you until you make the choice. Today, I lay it down. Lord, help me to forgive them because they stopping me from becoming what you want me to be. I want my cup overflowing. I want it overflowing with joy. I want it overflowing with peace. I want it overflowing with purpose. I met a guy yesterday. I didn't meet him. I've been knowing him for a long time. But we had an opportunity to talk. This is what he said. He's a funeral director now. He said, well, my, my parents told me that when I was a little boy, I used to put a pen in my pocket. And I said I was going to be an undertaker. He said, I don't even remember. He said, I used to walk around and say, I'm going to be an undertaker. I said, wait a minute. How old was he? He said, I was so small, I don't remember. That was in him already. He said, my father used to take me to the barbershop, and I used to sit there and watch them cut hair. And from watching them, I learned how to be a barber. He said, they taught me more than school taught me. And I said, wait a minute. I said, now you used to be a barber. Now you're doing what you always drink. I said, did you miss cutting hair? He said, yeah, but, but now that when I have a body, he said, many times I cut their hair. I said, I thought to myself, how that must feel to walk in your purpose, to walk in your calling. That what was in you when you was a baby. That which you've been created to be. How it must feel to have your own company, to do your own thing. Don't you know that God will place you where you need to be to do what you was created to be and make you good at it? Don't you know that God will do it in such a way he'll blow your socks off with your shoes on? Don't you know that God will fulfill the dream and the desires he's given you in your spirit? But you got to come to him. Here Jesus is on the day of feast. He had just got through debating with the Pharisees. And he says to them, he says, the scriptures talk of me. It's John chapter 7. And as he is talking to them, they are saying what the scripture, he said, the scriptures talk of me. Then right after that, he sees the Feast of Booth, the Feast of Tabernacle, and they are pouring out water. And Jesus cried. He said, he cries out in a loud voice, if any man come unto me, I will give unto him. I will pour in him rivers of living water. He says, out of him. Now Jesus said, I am the fountain that will fill you. I will fill you from inside out. It's the woman at the well said, I will put a fountain in you and it will bubble up. Don't you know? He'll give you joy life. He'll give you peace. He'll give you healing. He'll give you exactly what you need. Run to Jesus. He's not just your resource. He's your source for everything. 
whatever you need, whatever it is, tell Jesus about it. Get before him. Let him pour the anointing on you. Then let your cup, your heart, your spirit, and your mind come empty and watch him begin to pour until it overflows in your life. There's nobody can do you like Jesus. Absolutely, totally, nobody. Hallelujah. He heals. He satisfies. He'll make you whole on the inside. His name is Jesus. He died for you. He rose for you. And since God gave him to die for you, won't he give you everything else pertaining your life? It's not that he been tried and found lacking. He hasn't been tried. He says, I stand at the door. He's talking to the church, knocking. He says, if you open up the door, I'll come in. My question is, and I just thought of this, who's at the table if Jesus not at the table? Who's at the table of your heart? Somebody, something is, somebody is. You're eating with somebody, and he's standing saying, it's me you need. It's me who loves you. It's me that will give you life overabundantly until your cup overflow. If you're out there today, and this message is talking to you, the number of 450-130, if you call that, somebody will call you back. Somebody will pray with you. What you need is Jesus. I don't know how he does it, but I know he does it. He's the best thing that would ever happen to you. He would change you from inside out. Oh, his grace. Oh, he love. He paid the price for you and I so that we may know him, love him, and be filled by him. Thank you for joining today. Father, even now, touch, Lord. Fill our cups to overflowing. Do it in such a way that we know that it's you. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're into, meet us, Lord. Come stoop down into our situation. Lord, you're it. And you loved us enough that you gave you everything. That if we let you, you will lift us up. You will call us and make us more than what we ever thought we could be. Lord, even now, touch somebody. Speak to somebody. Set somebody free. Let them know, Lord, that, that, that you won't let them down. That you love them with an everlasting love. Touch, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.